Do you wonder what it's like to walk in the shoes of the students in your classroom? Do you wish there was a way for you to feel the feelings that they're experiencing or to experience their life so that you can have more empathy for them? What about engaging the community? Do you have an authentic way to engage the communities that you're working with? I am so excited for you to listen to this interview with Jess Fuller from Colorado Reschool. She shares so many valuable tips and the tools that her organization, Reschool, has created for communities to engage with each other. And there's so much value to really authentically listen to each other. I'd love to hear your thoughts. to the podcast Education Unimagined, where give students an opportunity to share their voice in a system where often their voice is unheard. I ask them to share their experience and advice on how we can improve the experience for everyone. Welcome, Jess. I am excited to have you on the podcast, Education Unimagined. And I was hoping that you might start by telling me and the listeners about Reschool and how your vision for that program helps engage and build student voice. Thanks for having me, Lorraine. I'm Jess Fuller. I have been in education for almost 14 years and spent the last five with Reschool, which is a Colorado-based nonprofit that was really founded on the idea that we're going to see the change that we're all striving for in education, for our education systems to be more equitable and accessible when we co-create with families and young people and partner with them to co-create ideas to solve for the challenges that we're facing in education. So student voice, family voice is at the heart of Reschool and all the concepts that we have tried over the last decade has been rooted in our partnerships with families and young people. Tell me how you co-create using your platform. It started really simple at its heart. One of the very first things that we did when Reschool started around 2014 was we partnered with some families that were part of Boulder Housing Partners, seven families, and we walked with them through a day in their life. There was no agenda. We were really trying to understand how families were navigating learning for their families, like early childhood systems. We observed and we talked and then we had a conversation about what sorts of things they felt like they needed. We bounced ideas off of each other. And from that came one of the concepts that we've been iterating on for the last decade. It's called the Learner Advocate Network. And it's the idea that our education systems are hard to navigate. What if every family had a navigator or an advocate that came alongside them and supported them in making the decisions that are best for them, their kids and their family, both in school, what school to go to, what supports you need in school, and learning experiences outside of school? That's how we operate. And we have a model I can share with you and the listeners 
It's called Design Lab, a set of tools and resources that support people in taking a community-anchored approach to systems change and guiding them through how to co-create ideas with community. The basic idea of it is that you start by authentically listening, you try ideas, and then you iterate on those ideas. If they're making impact on families and young people, then let's keep iterating on it. If it's not, then let's get rid of it. That first step you took where you shadowed and spent a day with a whole family, did you spend it mostly with the student or the family? And do you still continue to do that type of practice to see what's working and what maybe needs improvement? It wasn't just one day. It was over a period of time with a couple of families. We have had other pilots, one called the Learning Communities Initiative, where we bring young people together and we resource them with learning dollars. And they get to decide together as a peer group how they want to spend those dollars. That's been another way for us to listen and learn from young people and support them by resourcing them with dollars. The shadowing part can look lots of different ways depending on what your relationship is with young people and families and what you're hoping to learn. Are you surprised when you give kids that opportunity to spend the money that way? Are you surprised at how thoughtful and creative they are with spending that money? I don't know if I would say I'm surprised, but I love to share how thoughtful both young people and families are with having dollars that they can direct based on learning that they choose. They do incredible things with it. We've seen dollars stretch across families and young people because they think about how they might be able to spend the dollars so that it also benefits their neighbor or their friends that they play basketball with at the park down the street. We've seen those dollars stretch. Families aren't used to receiving kind of direct and flexible dollars. There's usually a hump to get over where they're like, wait, what? What's the catch and what do I need to spend it on? They're surprised that they have autonomy over it and that level of trust. I have found in these interviews, when we release that control that we have and we think we have, the responses are usually much more powerful than we as one individual can really imagine. And I think it's so fascinating to see the same thing sort of happen in your situation by giving control of the money over to the families and allowing them to define how that money will be used. It's much more collaborative. It's much more community-based than we as one person may often think. I just want to state how that idea just keeps coming back up is we really do think we need to control. And it's really only for our benefit. I want to celebrate that. And I think that's really cool. Who came up with the idea to let go of that control of the money? And did it take a long time for that to happen? As you were talking, I just had to make one connection since we had mentioned Design Lab earlier. That exactly what you're talking about is how I feel about the concepts that have emerged reschool because of the community-anchored approach that we take. So many concepts in education are 
made in a vacuum and not with community. And it's not that we got the concept right the first time that it emerged with families and young people. We kept partnering and coming back and iterating on these different concepts. That includes the Learner Advocate Network, learner learning dollars, all of these things. Each time we were able to refine it more and more so that it was more accessible, so that it was actually serving young people and families in the way that we hoped to. There's so much nuance and detail. You can't get it unless you're really partnering with families and young people. What I'll share to your question about how that started and this idea started of kind of flexible funding and if it was hard. From the beginning at ReSchool, the idea was for decades in education reform, we've been focusing on funding models a different school model or a being the unit of change. That's going to be what makes the change in education. The real difference with ReSchool's approach is what if the families and the young people are the unit of change and the resources bundle around that? The concepts emerge from those partnerships. That's where it started. We've been fortunate to be able to find philanthropic funders that are willing to invest in a model like this. And that's important because you have to have the resources to be able to do it. You bring up a really valuable point in that connection. We do need to be listening to feedback. And when you're growing a business, you make sure that you're creating a product that your customers are one. You're constantly soliciting feedback. You're constantly evaluating your metrics to see if it's working. I don't know that we do that that often in this system of schooling. And you said so many of the decisions are done in a vacuum. We change the model. We don't change the thinking of using the students and the communities as the thing that we're changing. I really love that. I'll just add to that because as we've launched Design Lab and we've talked to people about this idea, I have realized is there's a difference between having an idea and going to community and trying to get feedback or reactions from it. That's something that education's been doing a long time. They set up a town hall, they send out a survey, things like that. And the difference in Design Lab is that you're coming with a more of a blank slate. And that takes some unlearning to do. As teachers, as professionals in education, we're generally not used to doing that. But to come and sit at a table as true partners with families and co-create ideas is quite different than bringing things to them and saying, what do you think? I'm grateful that you brought the design lab back up and into the forefront because I do want you to explain what design lab is and some of the challenges you faced. You found that there was a little bit of resistance to individuals seeing themselves as designers. So if you can talk a little bit about the design lab and some of the challenges of the community and the students really seeing themselves in that role. Design Lab emerged because people that we are partners with in Colorado and nationally were curious about our process. Like, what is this community-anchored process? And so Design Lab's our first attempt packaging our process in a way that others can play with in their context and use and try out. It is a 
tool that lives on Miro and it's free and open source. So you can go to our website, you can request a copy of your very own Miro board of Design Lab and you can play around with it. There's also going to be soon a PDF version for people that do not like Miro. Miro is also available in English and Spanish, which is really important to, we have what we call the triple loop model. And that talks about the community anchored process to listen, to co-create ideas, try those ideas and iterate on them. And the other side of that model is more introspective. If you're going to go through this process, and I hear you talking about it in your own experiences, it will change you. It'll change how your organization operates. It'll change how you think about things because you're giving up power and you're unlearning and you're doing these different things. Let's recognize that. And then we're also going to see the system in a different way if we engage in this process. So when you're in Miro, there's a set of listening tools that help guide you in how to listen, how to approach those experiences. We listen all the time, but do we? And are we listening authentically? Are we bringing ourselves into that? So there's tools about just listening. And then there's some tools to support you in organizing what you heard into what are we going to try? It's supposed to help you stay rooted in what you're hearing and authentic to what you're hearing and to remain actionable to try things around it. There's instructional videos around it to help frame different parts of it. There's also commitments that set up the anchors of Design Lab. You can start small. Please do start small. That is important. You need space and time to work through the tension. And so build that into the design. When you frame designing and being a designer in that sense, you step back and think, I already do that maybe in different parts of my life, or I could totally do that. So essentially, anybody who wants to engage their community can pop into the design lab and just start thinking about how they might implement this idea of co-creating. And what are we co-creating, Jess? Like, what are the things that are potentially something that might come out of the design lab? Or what are some things that ReSchool has been able to implement in your community? That is what I am most excited about with Design Lab. I can share a little bit of what's emerged at ReSchool because of using a community-anchored process. For me, I can't wait to see people get into the tool in their own context and see what comes up for them because I think it's something that I or ReSchool has not even thought of. And that's starting to bubble up, which is really exciting. For ReSchool, when we were talking to families and community in the early days, there's concepts that emerged in 2014 that we are still working on today that still hold true. And so at its root, we were hearing from families Yeah, it's hard to navigate the education system, the in-school system. Also, I want my kids to have access to learning outside of school, but it's really hard to navigate that also. We think about education as learning happens everywhere, but what are the structures and resources and supports that families need to be able to access the learning that happens everywhere? I've mentioned learning dollars where families have access to dollars that they are directing 
to experiences of their choosing, advocates that are supporting families in making decisions about their learning in and outside of school. We've invested in out-of-school providers with provider dollars so that they can expand their free programming or their slots to include more people. Those learning and provider dollars can also be used on things like equipment and transportation and things that people need to be able to access learning. We created a tool that is on its second iteration because of family feedback that allows people to see what's in the area based on their needs and interests so that they can access it if it's something that they're interested in. Those things have come from a community-anchored process. A couple of months ago, I was on a call with somebody that works within a district And they were talking about how they were getting ready to revamp their student survey for the high schools. And after we talked about Design Lab, they evolved how they might approach that. We talked about this community-anchored approach with Design Lab. They said, you know, what might be cool is if those of us that have relationship and trust with high school students walk the halls with them a little bit, just chat with them. Let's see what emerges. And maybe that'll give us some really rich insight as to what we should really be asking in that student survey. I wouldn't have thought of for Design Lab, but that's what they thought of. And I think that's what makes it really cool. I really love the concept that keeps coming up, opening that door to engage more people in the process, more people in the decision-making is the idea of just one person or one small group of people making decisions for a large group of people. And the idea of when you engage with more people, you have way more ideas and more creative ways of spending money or doing something that wouldn't even cost that same amount of money. We really limit ourselves when we don't engage with more people in the decision-making and the conversation. Tell me about the game Revolve. Did that come out of your community-based approach? I'm excited for my listeners to learn about this game. Yeah. You can think about Revolve as a professional development tool for people that are in education or impacting education. Think about it as an activity for communities to participate in together. It is So fun. It's a card game where players step into the shoes of a young person and they live a year in their life. In terms of its origins, early on in reschool, when we'd be talking about these ideas of decisions about learning being made by intentionally considering young people's whole lives and their experiences and their aspirations. We'd be talking about this idea of learning happens everywhere, and we should value those experiences that not only happen in school, but also value the real learning experiences and skills that are emerging in the out-of-school space too. Like those should count for students. But we were realizing like we needed to immerse people in that world. And what does it feel like to live out what we're talking about? That's what we did with Revolve. We were recognizing that it's really hard to get out of your own head when you're working in education, you have your context, you have the current context. And so it's sometimes hard to unhook yourself and imagine things being a little bit different. 
a game is the perfect way to do that because without knowing it, just like when you play Monopoly, the reality of the world melts away and you're immersed in this game. And that's what we wanted people to feel with Revolve. When you and I had spoke about this game, Revolve, we talked about different ways that you can facilitate the conversations. And I'd love for you to go into some of the different ways. Like Design Lab, Revolve was designed in a way that people put their own spin on it and that there's ways that we hear people play Revolve that we've never heard of before. A quick kind of overview on what you experience. Players receive a persona with a little bit of information about a young person that they are stepping into their shoes. And then they get a goal card, a challenge card, and an interest card to shape who you are. And we go through rounds where each young person receives called resource cards. The young person is deciding, do I want to take that opportunity or not? And they're filtering it through their aspirations, what's going on in their broader lives, some of the challenges and things that they are navigating. They navigate their learning journey. One of my favorite ways, and it dovetails into our conversation about student voice that Revolve has been played, is students play with adults. And that's been super powerful. So you're alongside each other playing and experiencing this. And then we go into discussion after the experience. In the past, we've done it where adults, the students are in the middle, fishbowl style, and adults are on the outside. The rule is adults cannot talk. The students have discussion about what that experience felt like and how that connects to their experience in education. It literally centers student voice. It's powerful when it's just adults as well. What I love about when it's a mix of adults and kids is adults all of a sudden feel what it's like to be a young person again, feeling that excitement and the complexities of navigating life and learning as an adolescent People are passionate about what they're feeling during it. And then when you go into discussion and you hear young people affirming that experience and saying, that's what it's like for me, and then building off of it and saying, this is my experience, you see that listening is happening a little bit differently. Revolve is an empathy tool at its core. And so it opens up conversations across adults to young people, but maybe education policymakers and teachers, administrators and funders. That's why this game can be played with so many different kinds of people. And it's a different discussion depending on who's around the table. It opens up empathy on all ends and conversation where you might ask a question and get different answers because people are feeling a little more creative, a little more comfortable having that discussion. I'm really excited for more people to hear about this game because lately there's been a lot of games moving forward to sort of role play what life is like. It takes that pressure off of trying to share my experience with you because it's so personal, but 
in this game-like situation, I can experience what life might be like. And I loved how you said it's been a long time since we were kids. And it's really interesting that often a lot of people are putting themselves in a teacher role and giving advice to teachers because they were a student in a classroom. But it's not that often that adults go back to what it was like to be a teenager and think about how life was like for them and the challenges and the anxiety and the fears that existed for them as young people. I will put a link to buying it. It can be used in so many different ways. I think that's a fantastic way to describe it as an empathy tool. We can all work on empathy. So we talked about Design Lab. That's available. And we'll put that in the show notes. We talked about Revolve. Are there other resources that you want to make sure that we talk about and my listeners know that ReSchool has available? What we're hearing from people who have accessed Design Lab is that they would love some more community and support around getting started. It's exciting and can be a little bit like, oh gosh, where do I start? And so we're going to be rolling out a set of virtual workshops that'll be free, that'll support people and starting to dig into Design Lab and get their footing. And then reschool, we coach people if the virtual workshop was not enough and you want a longer term partnership with reschool. We can come alongside as I use Design Lab for this first round. We're available to do that. We also run workshops with Revolve. Where do people find you? How do they connect with you if they're interested in learning more? ReschoolColorado.org is our main website and Design Lab and Revolve are connected to that main site. We have newsletters for families and out-of-school providers and also a general newsletter to generally follow our work. Thank you so much, Jess, for your time and all of these amazing resources to help us develop and empower more student engagement and student voice. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you for everything you're doing. A startling 90% of teenagers don't see themselves as leaders. Let that sink in. 90%. This prevents them from reaching their full potential. It negatively impacts their growth as an individual, and it creates high levels of anxiety and depression. It took me 47 years to understand my own value, and I know you don't want this to be the case with your child, your students, the people in your life, and I'd like to help make sure it isn't. If you want your children, your students, the people in your life to wake up every day knowing how to own their inner leader and get comfortable breaking out of their shell to do amazing things in their life, have them join my upcoming webinar. You can find it at Peers Not Fears. In 30 minutes, those who attend are clear on their value as a leader. They are confident on how to lead from that place and they are excited about what their next steps in life are. It's free to join this webinar. If you search Peers Not Fears, you will come across my Leadership Academy. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast Unimagined for all the amazing upcoming interviews that I have on the slate. The theme music for this podcast Unimagined was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon.
obstacles. Imagine what they will do.